What's happening all you delicious people out there? My name is Joel and this is the First Step Theology Podcast where we discuss our glorious God so that we might love and enjoy Him in a greater way. I'm here with Luke as always. What's happening? Hey mate, how are you? Very good, thank you. Excellent. And we are also uh, joined by a very special guest, our first guest yeah. uh, on the podcast a worthy guest for our first guest. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, our guest this morning is a good friend of mine, Tom Edwards. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. He's actually married to one of my really good friends uh, from high school. He's a uh, church planning resident uh, at City Reach Church, which is a, a great church. Uh, where are their locations, Tomo? Marion and West, which is in Hindmarsh and Oakton. Mm. Yeah, nice. And uh, has also uh, done a whole lot of study on... Uh, on uh, the subject that we want to talk about uh, today, mm. uh, on, on missiology. Yeah, we thought we'd get him in because he's the smartest person we know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know a few people. <laughs> I know at least three. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... One question, Tom. Is um, Tom Edwards, is Tom short for Tomathan Edwards? Thomas. Ah, Thomas. It's close. It's either, either Tomathan or, or Tomothy. <laughs> or Thomas, I suppose. Yeah. Thomas. <laughs> Now, actually, what so my dad's name's Tommy. Yeah, Tommy Rasmussen. Yeah, like as on, in on Tommy Sven. Tommy T O M M Y. Yep, oh. Tommy Sven. Mm. Mm. Actually, oh. my uh, my offspring's middle name is Thomas. Not after you, but the now apostle. It is. Mm. Didymus. Keeping it biblical. Yep. Yeah, Didymus. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, our listeners wouldn't know, but there's a couple of things that unite you two, which I hadn't warned you about. Yes, but uh, you're both Christians. Love Jesus. Good looking. You're both smart and good looking. Uh, but you have both also abandoned the same pug. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is true. Mm. Yes. Hold on. Have you abandoned him now? No, 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 no. We've reunited. I only temporarily That's right. um, abandoned Spencer. And it was in his best interest. I would have loved to. Have, I've just come back from <laughs> Scotland and I would have loved to have Defending brought him over. But yeah. it would have been... Too much stress on the poor little boy to have to go all the way over to the other side of the world and have to do quarantine on the way back. So mm. it was in his. I was thinking of him. Good argument. That'll hold up in court, yep. I think. Yeah, yeah. Mine yeah. is I just got had kids moved. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's daft. Let's be honest. He's a beautiful dog, but he's a little bit daft. And I was concerned <laughs> that we were moving into an area where there was mm. lots of like construction trucks rolling through, <laughs> and I just imagine just like opening up a roller door on the house and just Spenny just going out and just being flat Spenny. Mm. There you go. So you know, whatever. I'm a saint. I was get what I was doing was just making a dream come true for Tom mm. and his lovely wife. And you've just had a child. Yes. Congratulations, mate. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. It's a exciting time. Mm. Very exciting time. What yep. have you learned so far? Aside from changing nappies. Yeah. Well, I've learned about the different types of poo that, <laughs> yes. that babies start off with. Yeah. That yep, tarry good. stuff at early oh, on. That's nasty. I've learned that parenting is the, the most difficult thing in the world so far, I, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, it's humbling. When's yes. your book coming out on parenting, by the way? <laughs> parenting, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no, no. I've learned. I've learned. It's an easy read. <laughs> yeah. I've learned that God is 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 very. Uh, I've I've learned in new ways how God is very gracious in sustaining me while I'm just desperately pleading for His help with mm. a crying baby. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah. we are we are going to talk about um, missiology, and we'll define that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But before we do, I think it's pretty good for those uh, who are listening. They probably haven't met you before. Mm. Maybe just get a bit of a, a rundown, a bit of a background to who you are. Um, maybe how you met Christ, or how Christ saved you, and then mm. um, how you got to here. Just sure. Sure. So, so I, um, as Lucas said, I'm married to Jasmine. Our daughter's Eliora. Um, second child, Spencer, the pug. <laughs> um, we um, we live in Adelaide. I've been in Adelaide for seven or eight years. Before that, I grew up in Canberra, mm. and I grew up uh, not not as a Christian. So I grew up um, in a very secular environment and a loving family, but. Um, I had never really been exposed to sort of any form of religion or any definitely not Christianity or anything mm. like that for um, the first um, probably 20 years of my life. And I uh, was, um, to, to summarize it really quickly, it was a whole lot of things, but um, at about 21, 22, I was probably, um, I'd gone through that stage of a lot of... Um, partying and and binge drinking and that sort of stuff and i mm. think you know in hindsight now i can look back and see how god used that at the time obviously i had no idea what was going on but i can see how um, god used that to sort of lead me to a place of emptiness and it was at that point about 21 22 that i started to um think about uh going down to this local christian church mm. um less than a kilometer away from where I, I lived. Sure. And so no one ever invited me to church. It was very, very weird. Um, I can't remember how long I had that thought for, but um, I know it was brewing within me for a, a while. And um, it took me a long time to actually go down to the church. I was like a scared cat um, waiting outside the front. And, and um, after three separate times, I, I eventually... Uh, got in to the church and I started to hear, you know, the message of the Bible and mm. hear about Christianity. And so I was sort of turning into a bit of a, a seeker. I guess I was a skeptic and then turning into a bit of a seeker. And, and um, over the course of 12 months, I think very slowly, week by week, like I was the, the last person into the church, I always waited for the welcome team to leave their post and and then I would go in and I would sit up the back really close to the exit and leave. Um, this is the good thing about a lot of churches that are so methodical in, in <laughs> the way they run visitor. their service. Yep. I know exactly yeah, when it's going right. to end. So it was very easy for me to leave yep. um, before the people had a chance to try and talk to me. Mm. And um, But gradually I just started to learn about this, um, you know, this God who uh, – who apparently loved the world and mm-hmm. um, who sent his son to to die uh, for not only our sins but you know the, the reconciliation of us, his children, back to God. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, there were a, a bunch of little things, um, but I think God used a whole bunch of little defining moments to to lead me to Him. And then um, at about twenty two, twenty three, I. I was um, baptized and, you know, just mm. sure of my my love for Jesus and, and um, complete commitment to him. And it was um, not long after that I moved to Adelaide and got connected with the church here, met Jasmine, my wife, and um, uh, I was in the public service for a while. But after several years, I um, uh, left there to start 
at Bible College, mm. and I finished that um, a bit over a year ago, and and then went over to Edinburgh to study, um, do some postgraduate study in the field of mission, and I've just come back, and so here I am now back in Adelaide, about to start a role as a, a church planter to Lord willing go back to Canberra where I came from as a as a non Christian and actually go back and plant a church there and mm. um, see the the gospel penetrate new areas of. Lord willing, people just like me. So that's the plan. Amazing. What a wonderful story of God's goodness and providence. I love that. Yeah. I wish we had more time to dive into all that. But Mm. um, I've obviously been very blessed to hear that story before. It's really cool. Now, you're a humble man, Tom. And uh, not just because Luke says so. But. Yeah, <laughs> you will be a humble man, because I said so. Now you are a humble man, and uh, I think it shouldn't be taken so lightly. Your studies. I've spoken to a few people who've been in courses with you, and uh, Tom did finish his Bachelor of Theology in two years, which is. It's going to take Luke and I about six at the rate we're going. <laughs> yeah. So just to like level <laughs> yeah, it out, give you, you, give you a reference point. Two years, he smashed it, and then uh, to get into uh, Edinburgh Theological Seminary. First, you have to be able to say Edinburgh properly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in the in the interview. Yeah, um, and it's actually a pretty mean feat to get into. So mm. I'll commend you, Tom. The discipline and everything to be able to do that is astounding. And yeah. I think it just goes into the person you are. Let me just give you a bit of a snapshot of Tom. One time we were uh, at a local. Um, and I'm sure you remember this. We're at a local shopping center, and you know at the shopping center, there's like those uh, salespeople, Joel. Yeah. Who, when you are, uh, you're walking along, and they would just be like, "Oh, a lovely day, isn't it?" And then they just yeah. like bombard you, as in the people that you fake a phone call for. Yeah, Norman. exactly. Oh, right. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Hi, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On a side note, I remember one time I was at um, Adelaide University, and there was these same people every time he would go after me, mm. and so I would uh, do my best to try and just like semi-offend them so they would never talk to me again. So like, for example, there was the same people for the same things. So this lady was like, oh, um, hey, come and help out the animal welfare. And I'm like, I don't care about animals. <laughs> and so then every time she'd go past me, she'd be like, you don't care about animals? No, I just don't care about animals. <laughs> but they never asked me again. So, you know, that might be something for you to learn. Sure. So I know. So contrast to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was with Tom and this person bails us up. And they had no idea what they were getting themselves into, Tom, because they said, oh, can I tell you about whatever thing they were telling us about? And you turned to them and said, yes, of course, but as long as I can tell you about what the cause that I'm about and um, proceeded to tell them uh, the gospel uh, very clearly and very beautifully. And I loved it because the, t- the tide or the tables were turned on them <laughs> because that lady... Or gentleman, I can't remember, was uh, really quickly wanting to get the heck out of that conversation. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was very funny. It was very good. Yes, yeah. yeah You've done that many a time. I have. Yeah, I have. I don't, I mean, I like, I, I'm not, um, I, I'm trying to be as gracious as possible. Um, and I don't do it, I don't do it every time. Um, I've got to be honest, there's times where I'm just, I um, am far too busy. But I'm I'm trying to get better at realizing um, that I can offer time mm. um, and trust that God, as the author of time, will give it back to me in some way. So I try and um, well, that's good. I try and uh, at least sh- share a little bit. I think um, 
And I do usually, they usually ask, like, can I ask you a question? And I will say, yep, as long as I can ask you a question in return. Or if they say, can I steal a minute? I'll say, as long as you give me a minute in return. And um, and I find they're always, like, if, if I'm willing to listen to them, mm. they're willing to listen to me. And I, I don't keep them for long. I just, you know, very, very quickly try and share, um, you know, why I am passionate about Jesus and and just um, you mm. know I don't try and hold them there for for ten minutes or anything like that. But um, I had this that I had a conversation with someone working for the Stroke Foundation just last Friday, and it turned into a great great conversation. And um, he was really interested. And in the end, I, I was there with Jasmine, and and she can tell you she was ready to go because Eliora was starting to freak out. She was mm. due for her feed, and <laughs> and uh, but this guy actually wanted to ask more questions, and he was really mm. interested in what um, the Bible has to say about Jesus because he was a Muslim, and mm, um, wow. he was interested in uh, Jesus from Christianity's point of view because the Quran talks about Jesus as a prophet. So it's amazing what opportunities can can come if mm. you, you allow God to use you in those moments. Absolutely. Stop and listen. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so not only is Tom uh, studying and writing a thesis on missiology, and he's also like, um, God's missionary to SA's salespeople, um, but, but he also just genuinely has a evangelistic perspective of life and faith. And um, just in conversation um, with him over the years, and stories I've heard about you as well, it's been really encouraging to me. So we thought you'd get we would get you on um, to talk about this topic of missiology. So that's uh, all in store for us. But Tom, something we do every week. Um, is we answer a question from one of our listeners. And so uh, we had a toughie, so we thought we'd just get you to answer it rather than us. Yeah. <laughs> now, we, uh, uh, to our listeners, we have answered this uh, in a couple of our messages. So um, if you go through our Gospel Life website, you can find a message um, titled, How Do I Share the Gospel? And we also talk about this, but um, Tom's going to answer it far better and far more succinctly. So this is a question from Colin. And he asks, thanks, Colin, by the way. He asks, if we are predestined, what is the point of evangelism? Mm, good question, Colin. Mm. And sorry as well, Colin, because this, this won't be an adequate answer. I, I don't think this is a big, big question, and scholars will mm. um, shed a lot of ink writing about this. Um, if, if I'm going to give like a, a two-minute kind of Q&A type answer... If if God has predestined us, why why do we evangelize? Is that that was the question? Yeah, yeah. I think um, the first thing I would say it's sort of like the same question as someone asking, you know, if God is sovereign, why do we pray? If God knows our prayers, mm. why do we pray? Um, and so the first thing I would say is God is a, a relational God. He's interested in um, our hearts and sanctifying us and actually bringing us deeper into His love. And so just like prayer is actually, you know. Um, as much about uh, God using those moments to shape our hearts, not necessarily God waiting there to listen mm. and then answer the prayer. He, of course, knows them. Likewise, um, God has predestined people to salvation and before the foundation of, of the world. Um, but we share the gospel and we evangelize because it's actually a way that we join in mm. on what God is doing in his redemptive mission. So I give... Um, the example 
um, this, you know, very much, this is very much related to mission and how do we join in on God's mission. And it's like um, if uh, the, there's a story of a father who was raking up leaves in his backyard and it was getting towards the end of the day. He just wanted to get it done and his little son comes out and uh, wants to help and he's got like a tiny little rake and he's getting like one leaf at a time and it's just painful to watch and he's actually, you know, fumbling the leaves and creating more mess. <laughs> but the father looks at the joy in his son and, you know, the delight that he's actually helping his father in something and he thinks this is worth it, you know, even if it takes me another four or five hours to see the joy in my son um, joining in a, what I'm doing. Now, every analogy will, will break down ultimately <laughs> somewhere when yeah. we're trying to describe God's character. But when we, um, like we evangelize and we we share, because we're actually joining in on what God wants to do, and He could do it with or without us. Yeah. He's He's not worshipped with man's hands as if He's as if He needed anything, because uh, He Himself gives to all things life, breath, and everything. Mm. Paul says in Acts seventeen, but. He delights in having us join in on what he's doing. So not only has he predestined people to salvation, but he's predestined the means by which Mm. he saves, which is us joining in on what he's doing. So Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that I might save some. And the elect, you know, those who have um, been predestined in Christ. And Paul says that actually makes me like... I know there are people out mm. there and I know that God, this is a way that I join in on what God um, desires for me. Um, and it's actually relieving to remember that God doesn't need us. I mean, how much pressure would that be if, mm. if salvation depended upon us, if people were not entirely yeah. in God's hands and it depended upon what you said in that moment? But actually, it's so it's not, not so much a pressurized burden. It's a joyful participation or a privilege mm. that we get to do it's a great that's way to put it say. that's why we evangelize because we're if we shift our perspective and realize we're joining in on what god um is doing and we can't fail because it's not up to us yeah and w- what a relief and that's why we endure all things for the sake of the elect because um uh, God is the author and perfecter of salvation mm. we get to join in on it what a privilege what a delight no pressure but joy. Amen. Mm. There you go. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think from a um you know, just from from our point of view, the fact that God is sovereign in salvation doesn't cripple our evangelism, but it empowers it. Mm. Um because we know that God will save ultimately. He he has predestined that some will be saved. And so um we in every space and place that we uh dwell in can be a witness to the gospel, can um, be empowered to share the gospel because we ultimately know that it's the Holy Spirit um, that draws people to a saving knowledge of, of Christ. That's mm. right. Amen. Mm. Yeah. I, I think a big thing to just <clears throat> probably finish this question on is the joy that is found mm. in us through this. Mm. Because our identity is one that is an image bearer of God, therefore we are created to take Part or reflect God in our very nature. Mm. And so therefore when we get to take part in this mission, it is actually as aligning in, in what we're what mm. we're being designed to do. And so therefore by sharing the gospel, yeah, there's there's a great level of joy for us because we can enjoy yeah. our God. So it grows our relationship with our Savior. Mm. I just find it very interesting that in the Great Commission mm. He, 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 he commands them what, what to do, you know, and then at the end it says, And surely I will be with you. 
always. No, always. Mm. And and mm. and um, I think that if you are in that place in your life where you're like, I just not everyone to base your relationship on feelings, but feelings are legitimate because God has created us to be beings that feel. Mm. You feel like you're not that you're not with God, right? Mm. You feel like you know oh, I don't feel like Jesus is with me, close to me, whatever. Get on mission. Yeah. Yeah. You you will get a greater sense of who God is by actually being a part of what he wants to do. Mm. Beautiful. Um, I think it's a really good thing for all of us to mm. build into our lives. For sure. Thanks Colin. Uh, great question and uh, hey if you have a question then please send it in if you want a further resource on that one that we found really um, useful uh, is by J.I. Packer and it's called The Sovereignty of God and Evangelism yeah Um, really uh, it's a short book easy Uh, to read yeah a little bit longer than Tom's parenting book but (laughs) it's um, yeah easy to read and a great place to start all right let's jump into it should we talk about missiology yes I think first thing we should do is uh, define it probably the I would say the, the simplest term would say the, the study of missiology is the study of the church and its mission. Mm-hmm. Would you concur, good sir? Yes, yes. Yeah, missiology is, is the study of mission. It's like theology is the study of God. Missiology is the study of mission. Um, and as you, you said, Luke, it's connected to the church. So missiology um, is looking at the study of God's mission, what he has been doing um, really through all eternity, but what God Mm. has been doing as part of his redemptive purposes um, to bring um, salvation to, you know, a a lost people through Jesus Christ, bringing glory to his name. Um, Mm. It's a very short summary. That's, you know, we're looking at mission as far as what is God doing? Like mission is, you know, um, purpose, right, or intention like we... we, um, if you have a mission, you have a purpose or something. And so mm. when you're studying mission, it's like, well, what is God doing? What is yeah. God doing in the world? How, um, what is his actual desire in engaging with the world? What's he trying to do? Mm. Um, and how, does, how do we as his people fit into that? That's mm. the study of mission. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's because there's a real danger when we talk about mission or we talk about evangelism that we simply make it personal as mm. if the onus is on us. Mm. But I think that definition is really good in that it's recognizing what God is doing in the world. Even back to that last point is um, uh, the Great Commission is by, as we refer to it, is a co-mission. It's not our mission. It's um, what Christ is continuing to do uh, through his church and in in the world. And Mm. so we have the beautiful joy of partaking in that. Um, And so... um, so if, if mission or the study of missiology is understanding or, or seeking to understand what God is doing in the world, how does the church, we as his church, relate to that? Mm. Well, yes. I, I would say, um, first of all, we, we find this from the Bible. Mm. Like that's, that's how we're going to understand um, what God is seeking to do. We... Um, you know, see this early on, you know, in the creation narrative um, mm. on the sixth day, you know, the pinnacle of creation is God creating um, humankind and um, and having a particular purpose um, for, for humankind, you know, for man to actually reflect the image of God. Yep. Um, and so instantly there we see, you know, like a, a hint at um, how, how do we fit in? I know the, the question was the church and we'll, we'll get, 
to mm. that, but we have to understand that in light of um, the creation narrative, in light of Adam and Eve and, and what their role was. Um, so we see instantly that God tells them um, to uh, fill the earth and subdue it, or he gives this, this mandate to Adam to cultivate and tend to the earth and, mm. and fill it and subdue it. And so there we see God making a people in his image to, to reflect his image and therefore glorify God and then telling them now go out and, and reflect that image throughout the world. So extend, and I think this is, I would make the case, and a lot of people do, that they, are, they were supposed to extend the worship of God into the unhospitable areas outside of, of Eden, like before the fall, they were supposed to go and extend the worship of God and be mm. a, um, a, a kingly and priestly people, um, which we, we could unpack that later on, but they were supposed to be, you know, a people that um, enjoyed God's presence because he was there with them and they were supposed mm. to, you know, just delight in what he had given them and thereby just continue to live as good stewards of what he had, gi- he had given them and extend that um, and multiply so that more of the world yeah. is sort of brought into this worship of God. And so we, we see that, but then we know that that was um, lost in, in the fall mm. and um, had to be restored. And so immediately from the fall, we we kind of see God's um, redemptive purposes already, like he says in, in chapter 3 straight away, you know, you paraphrasing you guys did something terribly wrong but i'm mm. going to fix it mm. um by by bringing uh someone who will crush the head of the serpent like yeah. a savior a messiah and so so um this is i think this is important to understand mission we need to realize that mission is is one story that god has been doing and when we look mm. through the bible we see some people refer to it as a missional thread so there's this missional thread that goes all through the bible and you might think of it like a like a play that has different acts or stages or like, mm. you know, a movie with different scenes, but it's the one storyline. There's one storyline yeah. going through it. And so we see this one missional thread going through the Bible where God is redeeming a people and he's working to restore what has been lost. Mm. And That's super helpful if I can just jump in sure. there. We uh, just recently did a episode on how to study scripture. Mm. And I think one of the biggest revelations that I found um, when I started studying and looking at scripture was that whole big picture of the, the like the grand narrative, like yes. you said that that thread. And when you understand that scripture yeah. is a a giant, big, beautiful story mm. of this mission of God, mm. it does actually change the way that you then study scripture, doesn't it? Because it, it, it changes the way that you look at it. It changes. It becomes less fragmented, and and sometimes some of those books like. You know, like that you wouldn't read off and like Nahum or something like that. It makes sense because mm. it fits into that story. But out of context, out of the story, you know, if it, you don't have that common thread, it, it, it's not, mm. it does, doesn't have a place. Because it's like, well, how does this fit? What is that supposed to be about? Definitely. And there's one, I mean, just, just to like give an example of that, um, people would, would know like Acts is, is a common go-to theme when you think of like mission or like the, the expansion of the church. Yeah. And in Acts 15, there's a very pivotal time. It's the Jerusalem Council where the people are trying to work out what do we do with these these Gentiles? Like we, we can sort of see hints of like God actually yeah. um, uh, wanting to, to bring people outside of, you know, Israel to himself. 
And so they have this council, um, you know, like the first church meeting, like what do we, mm. what do, we do about this? And they, um, James uh, goes to Amos, like the book of Amos, a, you know, little prophet and says, oh, this is what's happening. Like, God, you know, God spoke about this through the prophet Amos that the Gentiles would, would come to him. And so, mm. so they understood what was happening in light of the Old Testament in light of this grand narrative that was going through, and it's consistent all all the way through, but it yeah. it might take, um, like as I said, it's different scenes and different acts. It's one story, but it might sort of have these different um, portrayals um, uh, through that one story, but it's one consistent missional thread all through Scripture. Yeah. The inconsistent thing is mankind. Mm. Although yeah. they... They're consistent in their sin, <laughs> but <laughs> yes. inconsistent on mission. But yet the consistent thing throughout uh, all of these things is the fact that God is he keeps his promise. Mm. He's his promise-keeping God that this mission will be outworked. Mm. And we just see it slowly just revealed as the story goes on. Yep. So, and so, that, so how does the church then fit in with that? We can see from, from this story that, that God is constantly working through... Um, humans to mm. you know to bring glory to his name but he, he's constantly working through a particular people that is um israel through the old testament and um we if we think back to adam and eve and that sort of mandate that they had which um you know was to represent god but they lost it and in the bible Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. So, so mm. he's actually, you know, the one who comes to restore what was lost. And so the church, you know, fits in as, as the people of God because Christ comes. You know, this was the plan. This was God's plan for all mm. eternity, as we said, from Genesis 3. He'll bring a, a, a savior who, and as you were saying, Luke, humankind constantly falls short. And Jesus is the only one who you know fulfills all righteousness because he he lives in the way that we should have but never could and so he restores us and now we the church in Christ as his body are restored to be a people who are who are swept up and join in on this mission now we we get to reflect God's image because it's been restored by Christ we get to actually um, glorify God by being a people that declare his praises mm. um, as Peter says um, so um, that's how the church fits in on what God is doing we being in Christ and now restored to partake and participate in this this beautiful redemptive mission that God is doing and will bring to completion mm. why do you think then it is important for the church because so missiology most people I, um, I was speaking to a few lads last night and were saying you know, we're going to be doing a podcast on missiology and they're like, what is missiology? <laughs> and um, most people would probably be aware of God's grand mission without defining it as, you know, missiology or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why do you think it's really important that the church has an understanding of God's grand mission mm. through Scripture and then continue through us today? Because the church is missional by it's very nature. So so to say like some people use the term like a missional church, which I would say is like, you know, saying a female woman yeah. or something like that. Like it's a three corner triangle. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The the church is is um necessarily 
um, you um, intimately connected and and you know part of God's mission. So some people we I think because um, we have sometimes we have this understanding where mission is um, like something we do once a year in mission week or or you know yeah. mis- missionaries you know are just those who um, go overseas mm. um, and so we think of mission as like a component of the church like like um, just like the church might run other things um, or um, you know have have various components within what they do and mission will be that sort of once a week or when we we go and do outreach mm. um, at a park or something like that. But um, what what was really helpful for me in my understanding was to realize that rather than you know the the church um, having a mission or like someone might say God has a, a mission for his church, it's better said God has a church for his mission. Mm, the church is completely um, within God's overall mission. So everything we do is within God's mission. Yeah. Um, so that that's why I would say it's um you you can't not um uh you're either I got to be careful with how I say this um because some people it it does take a while to get this understanding but you um if you rightly understand this like what we've been talking about this grand narrative of scripture if you rightly understand what it means to be a Christian you must be you know concerned about mission because it's it's this mm. is that's what that's what we we do that's what we've the moment we have called upon the name of Jesus we've accepted this invitation to join in on God's eternal redemptive plan mm, that's really good just to jump in on that something I've been thinking a, a little bit about recently is um, how uh, you know m- maybe the church or the modern church today has separated mission or evangelism to or defined it to be a program mm. as you said yes. like it's the it's the Christmas play that we do once a year and we invite our whole community to, or, or it's, yeah, that outreach program or whatever it may be, rather than mission, in fact, being a part of our identity as God's redeemed people that mm. are now uh, are called to partake in his mission in, in redeeming the world. And so, um, yeah, so, so ultimately mission should be a cultural thing for the people of God in the sense that it's rooted in our identity. It's who we are. Mm. It's not something we do every now and then. It's yeah. something that, that, that we, by nature, are. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I think that's why at Gospel Life we like to say that um, the best way to understand the church is a family on mission. Sure. Like uh, at, at recording of this, we're doing a series at the moment of talking about the fact that we are, what the church is, is a family on mission. And because it is so important... Because if you understand it that way, it actually changes the way that you as a church body function. Yeah. It changes the way that the gospel is declared. It changes mm. the way that you uh, treat one another. Because when you understand that you're, when, say, say on a Sunday when you gather together or in homes when you gather together, mm. um, if your focus is actually a missional focus, you'll be there to um, exhort and encourage one another to to deal with sin in life, so that you can go out and be on mission. And mm. then you will talk about things like, yeah, I don't know how to um, talk about talk, mm. you know, share the gospel with my Muslim friend. And and you can, yeah, that's where you can really, yeah, like or or I'm really praying for James, my neighbor at the moment. Like, would you join me in that? Yeah, mm. yeah, it gives a a lot more focus to a group. Sometimes I think we as the church lose our way when we lose our mission. 
because then what we we start to do is we start to um, get stagnant and then we you know we get internal gossip begins you know because it, it it becomes less about the mission any longer and it becomes more about I don't know me and my mission maybe and mm. in almost self exaltion and and then exaltation sorry and so then therefore we become I don't know an RSL mm. at best mm. yeah and I then we that's too harsh and then we install a program to try and make us feel good and like we are on mission yeah yeah throw yeah. some money. Throw out some money to, a, out to some guy who's actually on mission. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Now, to jump back to where we were, uh, Tom, you were, it felt like you were leading into um, discussing how ultimately a gospel centered view of our lives and who we are is the, let's say, like the fuel for our mission as, as the church and, and as an individuals as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Th- this, uh, like the idea of a, a missional identity is, I think, essential, which which is like, to, that's just understanding identity, like the same thing as, you know, you don't really say mm. missional church. Missional identity is just understanding your identity in Christ. For sure, yeah. Um, your, your, um, your identity has a purpose, like mission just means, um, you know, it's like an, another word would be purpose, like something something um, you're called to, to do or partake in. Mm. Um, so... I believe that understanding so mission will start from an understanding of you know who we are in Christ like mm. a, a guy that I um wrote my thesis um sort of in conversation with was a, a Dutch missiologist called Stefan Pass who who did a, a plug he wrote a great book um called Pilgrims and Priests and it's um, it's all to do with Christian mission in a post-Christian culture. So he is in the Netherlands. He lives in Amsterdam, which is a very secular mm. area, very relevant to Australia. So he writes about what it looks like for the church to be, you know, a, a sort of small missional community mm. um, in a secular environment, in a post-Christian world. And so he um, says that um, mission logically and spontaneously flows out of um, an awareness that in Jesus Christ something unique and extraordinary has happened. And what he's saying is that if you understand that in Jesus Christ something incredible has happened, I mean, not, not just that you were dead and now you're alive, but that you, mm. you have um, reconciliation, you, you um, uh, wash clean, like you're, you're actually in one sense perfected in Christ because the blood of Christ is so pure that mm. now in the Father's eyes you stand holy, blameless, and above reproach. There's so much more. But if you understand that in Christ something has happened, something just unique, incredible, then mission logically flows forth like it's logical. Wow, he has done this. It can't be for nothing. It's mm. got to be for something more than yeah. that. Um, it logically and spontaneously flows out of that. So it's, you know, um, another guy, Leslie Newbegin, says it's an explosion of joy, like mission is an explosion of joy. And it's all got to be centered around this identity of understanding um, who you are as a, as a, a, a um, child, uh, you know, redeemed and called and invited into this mission. Mm. Um, so one, one, particular area that I, I wrote a lot about was this um, royal priesthood identity that that Peter gives us in in 1 Peter chapter 2 and he he takes the identity of a royal priesthood which 
God gave in Exodus 19 to Israel. Mm. And when God kind of, just before he gave the, the first Ten Commandments and he'd saved them, so, so that's key, like God had already saved them out of Egypt. Yep. Um, the, the Passover lamb, um, you know, had been slaughtered, the blood had covered them and, and he'd, he'd led them out. And then he says, if you will follow me, like if you'll, you'll follow me, um, if you'll be obedient to my commands, you will be for me a treasured possession, a royal priesthood or a holy nation. And, um, and that was given to Israel. And as I said earlier, Christ, you know, restores what, what God's people couldn't actually do or ever mm. achieve. So, so Jesus comes um, as, I would say, the true Israel to actually redeem um, God's people. And then Peter... After, after Christ, he gives this same identity and he says to churches um, scattered, so these are like marginal fringe communities, people um, who don't really have you know, a real home um, and, and, and would question their identity. Like this is in like a under Roman occupation and they're kind of like just a, a fringe people the mm-hmm. way you know, maybe the Christian church in Australia might be moving towards as more of yeah. a marginal people. And Peter says... You're a royal priesthood. Yeah. You, 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 you thought you were not a people. Formerly you were not a people, but now you're a people. And so he says you are a royal priesthood to declare the praises of God. Mm. So, so the, the declaration like this, because that would be a part of mission, is declaring God's praises, like telling people and in, you know, enjoying just like um, praising. If you truly praise someone, it, it, if you're praising something, it it can only ever organically come out of you. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be able to praise praise Luke for his St. Louis Cardinals hat. Good baseball team. Not sure you actually know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wore it today as a nod to you. But, it, but if, but, but I would, you know, like if I genuinely wanted to praise you for something, it would just, it would come out. Otherwise it would be fake. Yeah. Mm. And likewise for this, this missional act that we have of declaring God's praises, it flows out of an identity that we have as a royal priesthood because priests were mm. to, um, they were to worship the Lord. They were to represent God. So priests um, were both to represent um, God to the people, but mm. they also represented the people to God. So priests were... Um, worshipping and sacrificing on one end towards God, but then on the other end they were teaching to the people. Um, so they yeah. had this sort of dual nature. And so that's kind of like if we understand this identity that now, oh, we're, we're actually like we're a chosen people, we're a priestly people where, where now we get to reflect, like we get to reflect this image of Christ and we get to represent God to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way we, all, we also sort of represent um uh, people to God, and we offer up um, spiritual sacrifices. Paul says in Romans fifteen by by declaring those praises, and that's you know when when God saves people, it actually is sort of an offering to to Him, offered back up because um, mm. people are saved and they're brought into His body, and it brings glory to God. Like there's rejoicing in heaven over one of these people, mm. um, and so we actually get to join in because we are a priestly people. We're a royal priesthood, and so if we we understand that identity, um, it it grounds us, um, and it will help our it'll help our missional practice. So it'll help what we do, whether that is specifically evangelistic, or you know whether it is. Um, helping your neighbor 
um, move just because they're, they're mm. in desperate need. Like whatever you're doing, you're representing God. You're being a faithful presence in in community because you're a restored people, yeah. and it has to flow out of that. Um, otherwise, it will only be burdensome for you. Like if you're if you hear this and you think oh, I need to be on mission, and you don't understand who you are, it will only be. I've got to do this so that I can become someone who's missional. That's right. And it's only going to be exhausting and result in discontentment. It's got to come from um, understanding who you are and then it overflows in praise and joy. So that, yeah, you've kind of preempted a a really good point for people to understand. It's like, so naturally when we talk about things like this, people's normal response is going, going, great. How do I then do it? Or how do I get to the point of wanting to do it? Mm. And the answer is living a gospel-centered life, as in living a life that is just enamored Mm. with what Christ has done in you. Mm. In the same way as I will feel very comfortable talking about how incredible my wife is or Mm. because I truly believe that. And Mm. and the more that I hang out with her, the more that that is proven to me. In the same way as the more that you enjoy your relationship with Christ. So spend time... Yeah. Reflecting on him in his word, singing songs of praise with his people, that will naturally uh, cause us mm. to live a life that is on mission. Yeah. Mm. And to be then filled with the joy of our salvation. So that joy mm. might explode into every area of our lives, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the, um, it is also so important to understand the identity that we have within mm. it. You cannot separate. Christianity from mission. Yeah. We are a people who are called to mission. I just think of Ephesians 2. Mm. You know, it talks about the grace that's been given to us and and then um, that we are um, created in Christ Jesus for good works which mm. God has prepared beforehand that mm. we should walk in them. Mm. He's prepared the mission. We now, as his people, must partake in it. Like mm. it, It's not a... Uh, I, we will leave that to the extroverts mm. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the you evangelists. Know, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it's just living a life on mission. Mm. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Well, let's, um, I think uh, we might wrap up in a minute, but let's, uh, let's have a quick chat about the theology of work and how we can be on mission in our workplace and then maybe answer the question of like how we get started in sharing the gospel. Um, but just quickly, uh, Luke, to break it up. Um, how do you feel about your faith considering the fact that, um, you know, Tom named his first child, the, the meaning of his first child's name is God is light, and the meaning of my first child's name is that Yahweh is God, yeah. and the me- and your first child is named after a Disney princess. How do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> that is a cheap, nasty blow. Thank you very much, mate. And um, Pleasure. <clears throat> her name actually means promise to God. There you go. So again, what a great defense. Love it. That'll hold up in court. So uh <laughs> So we get to wonder why we're actually friends. <laughs> I'll remind you later. Yeah, good, thanks. So, Tom, um, if, if we are redeemed in Christ to be on mission and to and to live out of that identity, how does that impact how because, you know, not everyone is is um you know, part of church formal ministry or, or anything like that. Most people are working normal jobs. Mm. And that is a horrible misconception, isn't it? It is, yeah. I believe that for a long time that, oh, I to be a Christian on mission, I need to get on staff on the church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I need to become a preacher. Yeah. Yes. 
Yep. Yeah, what a huge... But, but ultimately what we're saying is that mission just by nature nature of statistics in terms of how many people are working for the church and how people aren't, most of mission happens in the workplace, mm. in, in secular workplaces, right? So, so how does that influence how we work? Mm. Well, so a couple of things. Firstly, if um, flowing on from what we just spoke about, if you, you do understand that your identity in Christ is, you know, entirely dependent upon this God who has saved you and, and um, mm. has nothing to do with your title or your occupation. And already, you know, you, you know, you are equally um, as involved in God's mission as anyone else mm. um, because you, you have that identity. Like it's, it's, comp- it's yours, you know, take it, take it and, and enjoy it. Um, but also, um, we actually see, like, if you look through the Bible, um, and particularly in the New Testament, there's um, a lot of exhortations to God's people um, to actually be good citizens, um, to be like Paul in, in to the Thessalonian church. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, mm. working with your hands that you might win the respect of outsiders. He's talking to them about like not being busybodies and gossips, but he's actually saying like, you, this is, um, you know, make it your ambition to have no ambition. Like don't, don't try and be some, um, some on staff, you know, you don't need to be the on staff pastor mm. or anything. You don't need to have that ambition. Make it your ambition to be content in Christ because as we've yeah. like, th- that's such a huge thing is just being content in, in Christ. Like, um, uh, you know, Piper, uh, John Piper has that, that, you know, phrase, God has most glorified us when we are most satisfied in him, um, mm. which I do, do believe in. Like, that's a, a really good thing to remember. Um, so if, if that is true, and for example, I could turn to like Psalm 50 as an example, where in Psalm 50, God is rebuking the Israelites and saying, I don't, I don't want your offerings anymore. They're always before me. Like, and he mm. says, like, um, uh, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah. And he says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I don't need you to bring me my lunch or anything like that. I don't need all these offerings. And then he says... Um, after that, here's what I want you to do. Sacrifice thank offerings to me and fulfill your vows and call on me in the day of trouble. Mm. That's what you're called to do is to sacrifice thank offerings to God. So delight in him, mm. enjoy him, be satisfied in him. That's like a, a huge part of your mission <laughs> is to be satisfied in Christ, to enjoy this God. Because remember, mm. he, doesn't, like, he doesn't need you. Everyone listening, he, he doesn't need you <laughs> for his mission, but he delights yeah. in having you join in. Mm. So enjoy that. And that's actually a huge part of your mission. Um, and then he goes on to say, and you know, fulfill your vows. You know, that is like I would say that's have integrity um, and call on me in the day of trouble. Realize that you're helpless and call on me because I'm full of grace and full of mercy. And so if that's true for our mission, you do that in the workplace or you do that whether you're unemployed or whether you're a pastor your your occupation has nothing to do yeah, with that totally but if we are like if we are to get practical within in the workplace um realizing that like paul again in colossians says um he's talking to slaves and he says in colossians 3 um you know whatever you do work work hardly as to the lord and not to men mm. because you know it's god you're serving so he's basically saying remember that your boss is god your your 
you're actually serving the Lord, whether you're a public servant, a mechanic, or anything like that, mm. because God is sovereign and Christ reigns over yeah. every square inch of earth. You're serving God, and that has like dramatic implications. So I always used to think of this when I struggled with this when I worked in the public service, and I remembered, hang on, if my like my boss doesn't see when I um, am doing those monotonous tasks, but I'm trying to be, you know, like you kind of want someone <laughs> to notice you, but you yeah. remember. Oh, God sees everything, and mm. I'm working to Him. Yeah, I don't need my boss to see me, um, and so it gives it helps to um, give much more of a holistic um, understanding of salvation, where it encapsulates work, home life, um, parenthood, everything. Because mm. this, as I said, this identity um, is is not tied to an occupation or anything like that. So therefore, in your workplace, um, you are involved in God's mission as you are a good worker, mm. as you're acting with integrity, as you are um, delighting in Him and enjoying the fact that you, you have a job. But also, um, as I think you were saying, Joel, like we actually spend... We probably most of us in our working life we spend more time in the workplace than we do anywhere else. Mm. Um, so there are, you know, the workplace is ripe with opportunities to simply build relationships with people and trust that the God who is sovereign over everything and the God who gives the increase. So while we might water, someone might plant, someone else might water, but God gives the increase. Mm. Um, he might do that in your workplace, not as you feel a burden to do that, um, but as you delight in him. And so what, one thing I'd, I'd finish on, and then you guys can, can add anything else, is um, I think this was, this was probably more relevant for me. I felt like I had to, um, I was trying to you know, share the gospel with as many people as, as possible. And I, I was privileged enough to sort of, work in this management role and I had one, one-on-one meetings with people and I would always make sure I got my job done but I, I took <laughs> took opportunities to share and um and I think like God still you know honored that but in reflecting I, I looked back and I had like this I had a false understanding that God was more pleased with me when I'm sharing Jesus than when I'm being a good manager helping mm. them out with a work task sure and that's that's a false understanding God is entirely pleased with us at all time because we're in Christ, not because of our occupation. So if you're in the workplace, you're participating in God's mission. You're as um, uh, God is as pleased with you when you are working away on some data management thing um, mm. or if you're a police officer serving the community, you are a representative of God and you're reflecting him then as much as when Luke or Joel are preaching on a Sunday. Um, you know, there's particular things, but um, uh, God delights in all of his children um, purely because he has given us this identity as a royal priesthood in Christ, mm. not because we are a public servant or anything yeah. like that, regardless of what we do, so long as we're doing it by faith in him. That's brilliant. So good. Yeah. Well, we actually might end right there. We've... Uh Hey, there's so much more we could talk about, but we hope this has been encouraging and edifying for you. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining with us. We'll have you get back in again, no doubt. And uh, hey, this is a resource of Gospel Life Church Adelaide, but uh, if you're from elsewhere and you've found it, we hope it's been helpful for you. And uh, we also wanted to give a shout out to City Reach. Um, 
brilliant church all around our city. And if you're looking for a gospel-centered church, then go check them out. And uh, they've been so beneficial, uh, so uh, encouraging of us planting a new church, and they've just helped us out so much. So we thank them and and have a wonderful week. Um, bless you, and we'll speak to you soon.